Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions, will dive into education issues, and will highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sadorf. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Rural Scoop and what's happening in rural schoolhouses across Arizona and beyond. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of having a co-host with me, and we are welcoming a very honored guest that's going to be giving us some great information around STEM initiatives happening here in Arizona with Grand Canyon University. Just a reminder, my name is Melissa Sadorf, and I'm the superintendent of the Stanfield Elementary School District, located in Stanfield, Arizona. Arizona, and I also serve on the Arizona Rural School Association's Executive Board as the President-Elect. And my co-host today, I'm excited to have a co-host for the first time, is Jamie Festa-Daigle. Jamie, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Jamie Festa-Daigle, and I'm from Lake Havasu Unified School District uh, in Mojave County, and I'm the Director of Student Achievement. Um, I've been in that role uh, since July. July 1st, but I've been out in Lake Havasu City for the past 20 years. I'm super excited to talk about STEM today. And our honored guest, Corey Araza from Grand Canyon University, uh, where she is the director of K-12 STEM Outreach. Corey, introduce yourselves to our listeners. Well, thank you first and foremost for having us on today. When I say us, I, I really do mean Grand Canyon University because we are a team. I am just one person on the team. And yes, I do all things STEM outreach. Uh, so whatever kind of support we can get to you uh, in rural areas, but also all throughout Arizona, that is our mission is to just bring STEM uh, STEM graduates to our, our workforce here in Arizona. That's really what we need. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. Um, before we get started with our questions, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Where are you coming from before you were at Grand Canyon? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I have over 17 years in public education in Arizona. So I was at a, at a pretty populated, I would say mid-population school in Arizona, uh, in Phoenix, North Phoenix. And I created maker spaces for different schools within the district, but most particularly for Paradise Valley High School. And Paradise Valley has a unique uh, STEM school within a school. So ultimately, it is, it's called the CREST program, the Center for Research, Education, Science, and Technology. And uh, it has three strands an engineering strand, a computer science strand, and a bioscience strand. And I really headed up the computer science strand. I did not teach for Crest because I was more in depth with the school and being kind of the makerspace in the hub of technology and active technology education at the school. So that was where I got a lot of experience in makerspace education, as well as just really, you know, having my hand on the dial of STEM education. And uh, that really, goodness, I would say 20, like 2010, uh, we really started rolling. And by 2013, we had really uh, active learning spaces in our media center and other areas within the school. So 
that's really most of where my STEM atmosphere comes from. I also have taught ESL, English, language arts, as well as always some sort of computer technology, because that's where my background really is in industry, is in software development, and then moved into K-12 education as a re-career. Can you introduce us to what the K-12 educational development program at Grand Canyon University is and what it does? K-12 development here at Grand Canyon is about supporting educators in action. So if you're in the, I like to call it the trenches, right? I was in the trenches for quite some time. I offer um, professional development in STEM, particularly in my area, but K-12 development offers professional development in everything you can think of from classroom management to first year teacher uh, orientations, you know, how to do this. We also have something called Canyon Leap, which is an alternative route to licensure for teachers. We do so much education just to help and support uh, leaders and administrators throughout the state. And the reason why we really got into this, um, Dr. Sadorf, is because our constituents ask time and time again, we need help with professional development, first and foremost. So we really have a very, very inexpensive, lots of free opportunities for PD throughout the state. We can come to you. We have numerous virtual opportunities. And we don't just do professional development. We also offer things like, you know, offering a place on a GCU's campus to host your graduation, for example. Um, so classroom space, if you need that. Essentially, we are here to support Arizona education in any way, shape, or form that we can. And we like to think outside the box at Grand Canyon University. So if you have a need, I guarantee you we can fill that need with some sort of support. What made GCU uh, move toward STEM um, and supporting specifically STEM um, in the K-12 space? Oh, super great question. We are relatively new in the STEM game, so I appreciate you asking that. Um, in 2017, I came over to GCU very specifically to help with their STEM programs and to share with the world what kind of STEM opportunities we have at the university level. So we offer mechanical, electrical engineering, robotics technology. We offer computer science, cybersecurity, IT, networking, coding. These are the types of programs we offer at the university. Um, the reason why we're so prolific in the K-12 area is because we know that Arizona needs STEM graduates. And we need STEM graduates from the four-year level. We'd love, great, master's, PhD, we don't offer that. We offer the four-year STEM degree so we can get students into industry as soon as possible. In fact, our cybersecurity program is so uh, busy right now because that is such an area of need throughout the nation. But truly in Arizona, we have a lot of need for cybersecurity professionals. And so we've got boot camps, uh, not just uh, in, in definitely coding boot camps in Java, Python, different sorts of coding. And we're trying to just get people into industry right away. So you asked about K-12. Well, the best way to get kids interested in STEM is to get them interested at those younger grade levels, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. So our intent and my intent directly is to influence those students and teachers and say, you know what, now's the time. Let's get ready. Let's get that, you know, higher level math and science 
curriculum going and get them interested because of relevancy, right? Let's make it relevant. So that's really why we're in the K-12 arena. We want to get students out and into industry as soon as possible. So Corey, kind of following up on the question that Jamie just asked, can you give us some specifics on what the offerings that are around STEM that are available for rural leaders? And I know that that GCU has been focusing on and pushing for uh, rural inclusion in some of these um, offerings that you have. Can you talk about what is out there for our rural schools? I do want to start by saying there is a lot of STEM in rural Arizona. You all know it. I'm singing to the choir. And in reality, we need to help these rural individuals who are business owners, who are STEM industry professionals, not only retain their workforce, but sustain and, and invite individuals to come to rural areas and or stick around. So what's better than to, at the high school level, really interest a student at the high school level and say, hey, we see a need in your community. Let's help you identify the need, work through the engineering design process, kind of figure out what it is that you need. Let's work hand in hand with industry. And then GCU can help educate that student and make sure that that student stays in your community. So that's that's one um, area that we see that we can really come alongside. Um, so let me tell you very specifically what sorts of things we can do for rural leaders in STEM. So education, uh, educational leaders. We have free professional development that your teachers can take advantage of that just gets students interested in STEM. For example, we have a STEM college knowledge playlist on our YouTube channel, and I'll make sure you get all this, all this in the show notes, um, all the links to free PD. So we also have uh, the, our Summer of STEM series, and these are um, one hour videos that showcase or highlight an area of STEM that we really, we believe we do well at GCU. One was mechanical engineering, another cybersecurity. Uh, we, we talk a lot about how technology can be used as a tool to increase students' active learning. So we always talk about student engagement, right? How do we get them excited? Well, we get them excited through relevance, right? The old three R model, relationships, relevance, and rigor. Well, without relationship, you don't have relevance. Without relevance, you don't have rigor. I'm gonna tell you that right now. And bringing it to your community and saying, what is it in our community that is STEM and why is that important? And then we start drilling down and students start to realize how important that hard math and science really is. But we make it fun and relevant. And with that teacher, they can push that relationship. So free PD, um, we also have GCU live lessons, and that's where a GCU uh, professor has created a lesson in STEM, and we have other areas, not just STEM as well. For our GCU live lessons, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. But for example, your students can build a, cir a circuit with a GCU electrical engineering student inside your classroom, and we'll bring the materials to you if you're in person, and then you just light up Zoom and our and our professor uh, and or student comes directly into your classroom and teachers can have 45 minutes off because they just watch, no, that don't leave the classroom or anything, but you can watch our, our uh, individual professor, a professor's assistant, take your students through those activities. So we've got a, a myriad of, of lessons there, GCU live lessons. So what would it look like for a school to partner with you 
or is it usually done at the classroom level? We partner with so many schools in STEM and STEAM. And I say this because schools say, I don't know where to start. Help me start. And we have something called our STEM 101 series. And that takes you, the very first part of that is really who are you and where do you want to go in regards to STEM or STEAM, right? Some, some schools are STEAM schools and other schools are STEM schools. So even just the vernacular will tell me a little bit about where that whole culture wants to go. Because as you probably know, it's a mind shift. It's a mindset, right? STEM, STEAM, we are a STEAM school. It becomes who we are and what we do. It's not just another program. So we uh, partner with schools. We come in as professional development specialists and really coaches and guides. And uh, we bring so much support with us, AKA GCU students that have time and willingness and want to give back to the community. And wow, with the technological innovations that we've seen in the last couple of years, we can bring that directly to your rural environment um, even without traveling to your environment, of course, we'd love to do that as well. So that's one way we partner with schools. Uh, generally speaking, we're, we're in with schools for at least a year if they really want to make serious change when it comes to becoming a STEM or a STEAM school. To follow up on Jamie's question, if I was a teacher and uh, I wanted to uh, tap into some of the science uh, offerings that you have, would I be able to do that just on my own as an individual rather than having you go through the school or the district? I, I love the question and the answer is absolutely yes. Now I'm gonna say that it's easier to make change if you've got that support from your leader. So all you administrators and leaders that are listening in, I highly recommend that you really support your teachers who come to you and say, I really wanna do more STEAM in my classroom because the statistics and the research will show you uh, that STEM integration after school is only so powerful, right? I mean, that's a nice, it's a nice to have, but when you integrate it within your curriculum, it's, it starts to become a need to have and your students understand the importance of that high level math and science and they continue with it because that allows for that mentorship when the, when the going gets tough, right? You need, you need some of that coaching really to work on it. But, it, but teachers, if you want to go alone, that's okay. We can certainly, we, we have, again, the free PD options. So start there. And then if you reach out and say, I just, I just want to have like one course. We absolutely have something called PD on demand. Uh, they're called PD solutions to go. And that's at canyonpd.com. So I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Um, and you could take these kind of bite-sized learning chunks in an online environment and start to get to know what STEM or STEAM is for you in your classroom. So I think that's interesting thinking about the professional development for the teacher. Is it appropriate for all grade, le grade levels, uh, K through 12? Oh, yes. In fact, I have such, uh, we have so much fun with our kinder STEM, STEAM teachers, STEM teachers. That's where it happens, right? They're, they're wondering and they, they ask that why question all the time. And we want to get our sixth graders back to that kindergarten mentality with STEM and STEAM because the engineering design process, human-centered design, designing for equity, all of these concepts are about wondering 
how can we solve a problem for the betterment of humankind? We've got to have that curiosity, that natural curiosity that often we get when we send our kids to stations, right? In the kinder in the first grade, they get to choose what they learn, what they learn. And I think STEM and project-based learning is in that realm where once you start teaching that way, you realize that students are leading the educational experience, not teachers. And that's what we try to do is we try to flip that traditional model on its head and, and really push this concept of student-led instruction. And they'll do it once they're interested in solving a problem. And that's really where we have to go. How do we solve the local problems that we have in our community? So Corey, if I was a school or district that wanted to um, launch a STEM initiative or STEM or STEAM programming, and I'm sure that you've seen and worked with a lot of districts that have done this already, why might my initiative fail? What do I need to be aware of as a leader that's looking to launch some of these program offerings for, for my students? What can you tell me about best practices? Uh, I love the question. And the reality is, is that we, we do fail. I, I recommend failing early and failing often, but it's that failing early and failing fast that helps you as a leader move forward. But I will say the challenge, yeah, the, the best way to fail is to not be cohesive, number one. So your school, like you, if you have one lone ranger, when that lone ranger leaves your school for one reason or another, there goes the program. So it really can't be a program. My recommendation is it becomes a culture and a mindset in your school. And therefore I keep referring back to that leadership being so paramount Leaders can drive change by saying, hey, guys, this is who we are and what we do. It's the who we are that I think is so important because the what we do can be tangible, but the who we are is hard to take that out of the culture of the school. So um, you can fail pretty fast by saying, "Okay, we're going to introduce this new program. Mm-hmm. And then we do this program for a couple months and then you got a couple of naysayers because that happens. And then that's, that's natural. Change is hard. So you're going to have to navigate the waters of those people who go, but, 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 you know, we, we I, I'm more comfortable in this traditional mindset. The fastest way to fail in that sense is to not have that cohesion and to let that program die, right? So you do a couple classes and you let it die. So I recommend having uh, that STEM 101 series type of piece where you start small, non-intimidatingly, and you move towards a culture, a mindset, and this, this is how we do things here at, at our school. Do you have an example of a success story that maybe walks through that life cycle of starting small and then really changing the culture um, with respect to STEM? Um, I'll talk about a school that I work with, uh, Bernard Black Elementary School, which is a K-8. It's in Roosevelt School District here in Phoenix, underrepresented students um, in their demographic. And I will say that they started uh, both STEM and project-based learning with us um, about two and a half years ago. And as we know, like I said before, there's been some changes in personnel, namely uh, principalship. And so the leader had kind of come out and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this program in place. And as we started to to learn about quote unquote program, 
we said it's got to be a culture. It's got to be a mindset. We're going to start slow. We're going to move through questioning strategies and methodologies of how to teach STEM, how to really teach those harder math, science, technology principles using technology as a tool. And um, when that individual moved on, the culture still remains. And so we're in year three, really kind of year two, but since the, since the change in leadership, we, we are moving towards these teachers saying, okay, we're moving towards STEAM night. This is a part of who we are, what we do. They're going to have it. They're already calendared out their STEAM nights, their showcase events. They are redesigning their school to incorporate STEAM. That all happened because of the mindset of the staff, not the mindset of just the leader. Yet the leader allowed this to happen. So I hope that gives you an example of what's happening in Roosevelt. And they're a one-to-one district now, and they've just really embraced it. And their district leadership embraced it as well. I don't know that the school would be the success story that it is right now had the district really really, uh, gotten behind it and definitely the new the new principal at the school. So looking forward to what's happening at that school, for example. And that's a K-8, best practices. And, you know, their feeder high school, they're not quite on board yet. We believe that we will change that by creating these opportunities for these students as they move outside of that K-8 realm. So, Corey, um, talk to us a little bit about the uh, STEM leadership cadre. I know that you are involved in that. This is how, you know what, you asked Dr. Sater a little while ago, you said, how does a leader know about a STEM program or how to implement, right? And this is a great way to implement. So here's what you do. You get, a, you get to be a part of our STEM leadership cadre and anyone who is interested in bringing STEM to your school, to your community is welcome. And this leadership cadre is really made up of like-minded individuals many STEM directors in different school districts and schools across the state. And we have conversation about what resources are out there. Number one, uh, Cal Manis, who does a lot of rural STEM activities, has resources, brings grants and money to rural STEM. He's also on the leadership cadre. So if you come, you can hear what he's offering. So there's two different people alongside myself and then many others that are um, just involved in STEM education in both Maricopa County and without and outside of Maricopa County that are pushing STEM forward industry members we want to get more rural industry stem individuals on this cadre so that we can figure out what it is that rural educators need in regards to stem so it's really just a resource sharing cadre and um, you don't have to be the leader you can be a teacher it's just hard to i know it's hard to find time if you're a teacher but we have quarterly meetings um, we'll have the first one at Grand Canyon University in person. If we can do that um, in person, we'll also have a virtual quarterly meetings. I'll put information in the show notes so that you can become a member of our STEM leadership cadre. I saw that one of the things that you do is high school internships with STEM. So is that something that could be done in rural areas or are those metro um, STEM internships? What does that look like? I said earlier that we like to think outside the box here. And there's Jamie just making me think right outside the box. And I love it. Thank you for the challenge. And I will meet the challenge by saying this. The high school STEM internship, as we know it right now, is on the GCU campus. 
it is absolutely open to rural uh, schools. The reason that it's right now on the GCU campus is because that's where the labs are. I will say software development, that can go virtual. So if you're interested, if you're, if you're a leader and you're interested in high school STEM internships and software development, absolutely get in touch because that I can see going virtual. They do three days a week in person and two days online anyway. Um, because that's how industry works. I would love to think outside the box and see how we can bring that opportunity to rural schools. But for right now, some of those labs, you know, that you, you need to come to the campus. So given um, all of the competing things that schools have to do this year um, because of last year and COVID, um, whether it's social emotional learning, um, you know, literacy, what makes STEM still something important? Um, for school systems to focus on? Oh, that is such a great question. What doesn't make it important? All I can say is COVID-19 is STEM, okay? Finding a cure is STEM. Making sure we have enough masks to cover each other's face, our, our faces is STEM. Making sure that we have a vaccine is STEM. The production that goes on behind the, getting the Olympic Games off and running because we're in a pandemic, it's all STEM. But I think there's never been a better time, never been a better time to focus directly on bringing STEM into your school. And not just as an extracurricular after school fun program, it needs to be embedded in every single discipline in our schools, especially our rural schools, our English language arts to communicate about STEM for purposes of promoting science, technology, engineering, and math, utilizing the engineering design pro uh, process, human-centered design, you will start to realize how important it is to bring STEM to the forefront of your schools. So in English language arts, how do you incorporate invention convention or you know innovation? If you haven't looked at the sustainable development goals uh, that are the United Nations 17 sustainable development goals, this is a world problem that we're all trying to solve. What better place to, to look at those goals and try to solve these problems within an English class, right? So let's, how do you reframe your vocabulary to start to, you know, flip the educational model and ask students, what problems in our local community are we facing right now? How might we solve those problems? Corey, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you want to make sure that you let the listeners know about? I One, one piece, a lot of people will ask about robotics. They think STEM and robotics, and it's like, um, you know, very synonymous. So we do offer a lot of robotics instruction, professional development, uh, there are lots of robotics competitions. Um, I really think robotics is, is fantastic, but it can be challenging in rural communities because it's expensive. And then where do you get the professional development? So um, joining that STEM leadership cadre will really help in that area. If you're confused or interested in starting a robotics program, because it gets kids really excited, right? They love to drive the robot or program the robot. And these are all wonderful ways in which STEM education can really um, be showcased. You know, we can certainly help with those ideas and we have programs that we put on at the campus and, is, and we can bring them to you. So robotics is one. 
the other piece, you know, we're also the Arizona Science and Engineering, we're a regional host site. So if you're not in the Arizona Science and Engineering Fair, uh, because you don't have a place to go to get your regional qualification in, we can certainly do that at Grand Canyon University. You know, I also want to talk about Christian education and STEM, just so you know, any of anybody who's got that Christian education element, um, STEM is very rich in that area and we support that highly. And, um, and then I'm, I'm, I'll end with Mesa. Again, I'll say it again, math, engineering, science achievement, and how that does wonders for students in underrepresented areas. Probably your brains are hurting with all this STEM information, but that's why they invented show notes. You can go to the show notes. And Corey, how can they get in contact with you if they do have those follow-up questions and they want to talk to a person? The best way to get in touch with what we do for PD is canyonpd.com. The second best way to get in touch was just with me personally. I'm on social media at Ciaraza, that's C-A-R-A-Z-A, canyonpd.com. And we've got lots of information there about STEM and STEAM and how we can take you to your next journey, whatever that might be. Well, Corey, I want to say thank you very much for being our guest today. A lot of good information for our rural communities, and I hope that our rural leaders take advantage of some of those things. And I want to say thank you to my co-host, Jamie. I appreciate that you were with me on this inaugural co-hosted episode of The Rural Scoop. Thanks. That was fun. That was fun to listen to.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.